You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to a slightly shortened version of our Collective Cafe, Collective Cafe to go. As I mentioned today and yesterday, slightly shorter little snippets and, um, and just as well, because in this continued conversation about chat GPT, uh, it, it, uh, it seems like there's a 3,000 word limit in terms of being able to feed words into the machine and come out with a, a summary or key takeaways or key quotes. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it and uh, I've been able to create two articles already based on this week's Collective Cafe, one called The Lure of Loneliness, uh, The Lure of Loneliness, The Lure of Laziness, uh, and the other one, uh, called uh, a loneliness, which is this juxtaposition between loneliness and a loneliness, right? Where loneliness is bad, a loneliness can be good if you know how to actually become your own best friend. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we all hear the words, we all hear the, the phrase, which is you have to love yourself, right? Self-love, self-care. Well, I mean, that is a loneliness at the end of the day which is when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you like, do you love what you see with your warts, with your, with your, you know, your uh, love handles, whatever. You are you and you are the best you that you can be, um, as Dr. Seuss once said. Um, here's an interesting thought as well. Uh, my wife kind of said, you shouldn't tell people that you're using ChatGPT to summarize, you know, to create these articles. And I said, well, why not? I mean, it's my words. These are my words. So essentially, I'm plagiarizing myself. That's okay, right? I mean, it should be okay to plagiarize myself. It should be okay to say, here is 5,000 words. Can you reduce them to 500? Um, that saves me a lot of time. I think for me, the only hardship is were these the points that I wanted to make, right? Were these, is this summary exactly the right summary? And, and of course, one of the beautiful things is being able to eventually say, in my voice, right? Summarize this in Joseph Jaffe's voice. And uh, hopefully, 
you know, there's a lot of content out there that would support my voice and support, you know, this body of work. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable uh, with that, actually. And, and in fact, you know, if you want to double up on that thought um, from a disclosure and a transparency standpoint, I actually think that it's, it's important to be able to say, you know, this, like if a book is ghostwritten, say this book was ghostwritten. Like I feel like it's important to be able to do. Um, and yet I can't imagine a lot of people do it, right? Why? Because um, it represents a degree of vulnerability, um, if 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 you're embarrassed, if you're insecure about saying your book was ghostwritten, then you shouldn't have it ghostwritten. You shouldn't write a book. I mean, you should do other things. It seems fairly obvious and logical. Um, and so, you know, all of this comes down to being comfortable in your own shoes, in your own skin, in your own body, in your own container as a brand. Um, and um, and I'm as I said, like I'm getting to grips with it and becoming comfortable with it. Anyway, it is uh, Thursday, April 13th, and um, I thought a couple things. One is uh, we're going to continue, I think, reading Mark Schaefer's Belonging to the Brand uh, in the month of April, and then uh, uh, we're going to move to a new book in May. And what will that new book be, you ask? Um, We are going to... Um, actually read uh, a friend of mine's book, Scott Martin, uh, who wrote a book called Groundswell. And, uh, and he's going to be on the show. We're going to do a pre-recording in, in April. Um, the book is called Groundswell, The Unseen Wave of Business Growth. And, um, and so Scott A. Martin, a.k.a. Groundswell, uh, we are reading your book. And uh, I'm excited about that. So... That is what we can expect in May. But today, today, we are going to um, continue reading Mark Schaefer's book. And uh, I am trying to figure out what chapter I want to read today. So I've been, uh, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to read to you the table of contents. So section, uh, section one, the last great marketing strategy. Chapter one, the loneliest generation. Chapter two, community versus audience. Chapter three, the business case for community. That's one we read last time. Chapter four, Dana's story, or as we would say in South Africa, Donna's story. Chapter five, the community framework. Uh, section two, the art and science of community. Uh, chapter six, culture club. Seven, it begins with purpose. Eight, gather your community. Nine, a new leadership mindset. Ten, the truth about measurement. And then section three, the next community. Um, chapter 11, web three and the new frontiers of community. Chapter 12, the secret communities. And that's the book. Um, I remember Mark on the show saying, you really should read chapters 11 and 12. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to read chapters 11 and 12 over the course of the rest of April and uh, maybe we'll even be able to get Mark to come in and join us um, for one of them as well. I actually just uh, tweeted it yesterday, uh, but I didn't actually reach out to Mark. I should have. Um, so section three, the next community, chapter 11, web three in the new frontiers of community. Earlier in this book, I identify three megatrends colliding in a way that indicates that community is the next big marketing idea. Obsolescence of traditional marketing strategies, the global mental health crisis, and emerging technologies that enable community. The only trend I haven't covered yet is technology, but it's no less important in the future marketing mix. The tech world has big ideas for community. Traditionally, the essential function of the web has been to help us create, connect, and be discovered. Almost anyone with a keyboard and a Wi-Fi connection can have an impact on the world through their content, presence, and ideas. This was Web 1. Global creativity was unleashed. Many took advantage of this opportunity to build passionate audiences through videos, podcasts, blogs, and every creative outlet imaginable. These innovators could monetize their audience, and an exciting new creator economy was born. This was Web 2. The problem was that these creator-led business models could be manipulated by outsiders. 
Ad revenue came from social networks. Sponsorship money came from brands who benefited from their content, personal data, and the right to cozy up to a hard-won audience. Creator income could be impacted suddenly by changes to an algorithm or the whims of company executives they never met. They could be knocked off a platform or jerked away from a brand deal without warning. Monetization on Web2 also meant compromise. I met a studio exec who told me about partnering with a creator to promote a movie release to his relevant and loyal YouTube audience. The studio's ad agency laid out a detailed promotional plan, including a Tuesday morning video contribution from the influencer. I never post on Tuesday mornings, the creator explained. This won't work. My audience won't know what's going on. We know what we're doing, and this is what you'll do, he was told. Predictably, the content flopped, and the creator was embarrassed by posting something to his audience that was not organic or authentic. Creators need to have more control of their work and revenue through their own economic community. This is the idea behind Web3, or at least part of it. Let me repeat that. Creators need to have more control of their work and revenue through their own economic community. This is the idea behind Web3. By the way, happening right now in New York City is NFT NYC. And what is really happening is the gathering of community and communities. Um, IRL meetups for the first time, maybe just ongoing. You know, what really NFT NYC brings... I went down to NFT Miami, um, which didn't feel like altogether cohesive or special. But, you know, one of the reasons why I decided not to go to NFT NYC is because I just don't like, you know, something about New York City that sometimes bugs me. The going to the Javits Center, it's just everything is so hard in New York City. Um, But what I do love about it is it's a phenomenal opportunity for meetups and IRL events and parties. And it really is the social aspect, um, NFT NYC, and it's New York. So it's a lot easier for everyone to actually commit to NYC as opposed to saying uh, we're all going to meet in Cleveland or we're all going to meet in um, Vegas. I mean, Vegas is is nice and all, but you know, New York City is the most accessible. It is the most available. And so like I'm seeing like, for example, the D-Gods dinner last night and I'm looking at this table and their little prefix menu and I'm and even though I'm actually not a member of their community, I wish I was. I wish I was there. I wish I was at that table. Um, that's that's kind of what's happening here. And 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 this idea of our terms, control, um, when we take back our data, when we take back our own control, um, and, and, and when we have different metrics that are not just about audience, you know, I, I would look, I would kind of cut the whole community conversation differently uh, in terms of web one to web two to web three um but but there are a bunch of cuts that are interesting to for example look at monetization through one two and three control through one two and three i would look at these kind of horizontal threads or, or common threads um to see the evolution of i mean for me though um it, it's still interesting because when you look at web one it's still all about impressions uh, web 2 is all about follows. It's still quant, quant. Um, web 3 is different. It's just different. You know, it, it might be... Um, I'm still not 100% certain I know what the what the key metric is with Web 3, with community, right? Um, like, as I said, like, it was clearly obvious in Web 1. It was all about hits, hits and clicks and impressions. It really was tonnage. It was actually selling online advertising against reach. It was very much just a juxtap. It, it was very much like the concept of the first, you know, television ads were just radio-like. They were they were almost like a a still frame or or a, or you know with with a voiceover. It was almost like visual radio, and and so uh, in many respects, it took a while. For radio, it took a while for radio to find, uh, for television to find its voice. And every medium that has come afterwards, you know, takes a while. The same thing, even like for me, right? If you look at, um, if you look at uh, Collective Cafe in the morning, my voice here is very different to my show, Joseph Jaffe is Not Famous, which is very different. It's still the same voice, but it's a different 
um, application of that voice, finding the authentic voice. Um, it's still me. It's not schizophrenic, but it's how I apply and it's how I deliver my message when I'm on the stage in front of a thousand people versus when I'm in a room with 10 people. Um, you have to adapt based on on the audience. And so I still think that that we're we're not quite we're still not quite sure what that that metric is in web three. Um, what we do know is that impressions and hits um, was followed by fans, friends, and follows and followers, which could be bought, which could be cheated, which could be you know faked, which which was still about tonnage. We were you know in many respects, if you think if 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 you think about it, um, in many respects with with Web One, um, it was kind of the media. It was kind of a media. Um, um, you know the. The website was the media. In Web two, the the influencer was the media, right? They were how the the actual media property was the person. Um, so I suppose all things being equal, in Web three, the community is the media, right? The community now um, is based on the ability to you know determine now um, the value of that community um, and. You know, and in some respects, you could look at it and say, "Well, one way to look at that community is based on the people that are inside the community. One thousand holders of the NFT, ten thousand holders of the NFT. Another way to look at it then is to look at the at 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 who those people impact and connect with, and that is, of course, using some of these Web two mechanisms like Twitter um, or." you know, like the ability to, in Discord, to have an event that is open for all, or quite frankly, what we're doing with the Collective Cafe. You don't necessarily have to be a member of Alpha Collective to attend the Collective Cafe. And so there is definitely impact, the network effect of a small, closed, you know, gated, token-gated community. Now, the question is, how does that get monetized? And I think what Mark is saying in his book here is that the difference is that, you know, influencer deals right now are still on the brand's terms. And in Web3, we're going to need to see something different. We're going to need to see a different kind of partnership emerging. And what that looks like, um, it's still pretty early days. So when we say early days, that's what we mean. We mean early days. We mean, we mean um, you know, the jury is still out. So <clears throat> good morning to Billy. Good morning to Teresa. Um, we are, uh, there is a POAP today, by the way. I hope Praxim shows up because the Prax, uh, the Praxim, the POAP today, I'll tell you what the secret code is in case you need to leave um, early. But if you go up the cafe chat, you will see what looks like, I don't know, it looks like a mushroom. It's actually uh, one of his wood turning pieces. And so that is the POAP today. It is a, it is a, uh, that image and the secret word is wood turning, wood turning, wood, two words, wood space turning. That will be available today from 8.45 to 9.15. So if you go to pope.xyz, you can mint this. And he better show up because this is his wood and this is his image. He's going to miss out on his own uh, on his own POAP. Um, yesterday, we actually minted the POAP of, uh, Glenn, um, of Glenn, who's been a community member of mine. He's been following my show for three years. His uh, first grandchild, his granddaughter, Madison, we actually minted her. <laughs> so his grand, and then I sent him 10 links for his family. Um, so, you know, they've basically minted, minted uh, or commemorated her birth on the blockchain, which I think is super cool. By the way, if any of you would ever like something, uh, would like an image or, or, or something that, that is, that you're close, you know, that's close to you, I'd be only too happy to mint that on the blockchain as the POAP for the day. Um, all right, so let, let's, get back to, um, let's get back to the live read of Belonging to the Brand. We're in chapter, um, what chapter are we? We're in uh, the two chapters Mark said we need to read, which is chapter 11, Web 3 and the New Frontiers of Community, and then chapter 12 is called The Secret Communities. Um, okay, there's no standard definition of Web 3, which makes it about as clear as mud. I prefer to look at it in this simplified way because I am a simplified person. The major force driving Web3 is decentralization, which means that people, not companies, will theoretically have more control of their data, money, and destiny through their own economic communities. 
When you cut through the complex Web3 jargon, you have technology that enables belonging and community in creative new ways. Let's get more specific and examine four aspects of Web3, which are NFTs, digital wallets, tokenized economies, and metaverse. This chapter is a mere capsule launching into a vast new universe, but you'll catch a glimpse of what's possible. So the first one is NFTs, and uh, I think I'm going to kind of skip through um, these definitions because I think here yeah, we kind of know um, we know what they are. Um, so I'm going to kind of skip through. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll touch on tokenized economies. I'm doing a bit of a curated read. Uh, another Web three innovation is a community that is driven or enhanced by crypto backed tokens. In a way, this is like a company selling stock to investors who want to share in its future success. Token ownership can represent a stake in a person, a body of work, or a community. Web3 creators start this process by creating a secure blockchain-backed token. This can be an NFT or crypto-backed fungible currency. The token can attract an audience of fans or owners interested in the creator. Token owners can benefit in three ways. Number one is financial gain. Tokens in limited supply can increase in value when they are in demand and supply becomes scarce. Tokens backed by crypto can eventually be exchanged for money. Number two is exclusive commerce. Many creators offer art, music, crafts, and services that can only be acquired by their tokens. And number three is emotional reward. Fans may buy tokens simply to support a creator because they love them or believe in their work. Um, I would probably add a fourth, which is this idea of uh, what I call priceless experiences, which is access um, which is, you know, things, my definition of price of priceless experiences, things that money can't buy. So, you know, in many respects, the exclusive commerce, the merch, that's different because it's commerce, right? It's, and it's uh, maybe we, we, we talk about this idea of, um, of intangibles, right? For me, uh, it could be a walk-on role on my show. It could be um, meeting me in, in New York City for dinner. Um, those kinds of things, and um, and I think it's a huge part. Um, there there are many things I could say about this. You know, one one of the I would say the most um, undervalued, underutilized, and underimplemented aspects of loyalty and of retention and of you know everything that I wrote uh, in my book, Flip the Funnel, is this idea of tenure. T e n u r e tenure. The longer you've been, we don't have a mechanism in marketing and business to really reward people that have been with us for a long time. Now, one of the things that I've, uh, one of my ideas that I've always uh, spun is this idea that imagine if you've been, um, and, and remember, the metrics will support everything. So the number is uh, irrelevant because it could be five, it could be 10, it could be 20, it could be 50. It's all based on percentages, right? The 2.5%, the 5%, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'll give you an example like with the Yankees, right? So imagine you've been a Yankees season ticket holder for 20 years, right? Two decades, maybe it's 25, maybe it's 30, maybe it's 15. So the numbers will depend on when you look at a, a bell-shaped curve, a distribution of all of those, you know, of 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 all your season ticket holders. So you'd say, you know, on the anniversary, on your twentieth anniversary or twenty fifth anniversary, um, you will be able to sit in the dugout with the players and the manager for one inning or something like that, right? You'll be able to go into the dugout straight after the game, or you'll be able to go into the changing room just before um, something that 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 you literally on day one would be like, I'm going to buy a season ticket because in 20 years, I want this to be me. I want this to be my child. I want this to be my grandchild. Um, you're already, you know, it is, it is the irony of ironies is re this retention reward, this priceless experience could in actual fact be an acquisition mean. Like this is the unagi. This is the, you know, this is the, uh, the, the Jedi mind trick that someone's actually buying something or not selling it because they know that in 10 years or 15 years or five years time, um, they're going to be able to just do something that is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, it could be a, a player coming 
you know, coming to your birthday party or just something that is like so, because the whole point is when I talk about the numbers is you might be able to say, look, we've done the numbers and we know that there are only going to be 18 people every year that are eligible for this reward. 18. I mean, there are 160 60 games, so 80. So 18 out of 80 games, for example, you're going to have this opportunity to escort um, these two. You know what I would do if I was the Yankees as well? I mean, if you've ever, they call it the legend seats. Um, I once, um, you know, uh, by the way, t- tomorrow I'm going to be back with my Ember mug because the uh, Passover Passover is over. Um, so at the moment I'm drinking my coffee from a normal mug so it gets cold. So I'll be sipping my coffee for one more day in the middle like I'm about to do now. But I kind of like I kind of like the effect of sipping in the middle. And eventually I'm just going to stop telling you that, I, that I'm sipping it. But Yankees have these seats called legend seats. They're like basically right behind the dugout uh, or behind uh, home plate. And I, I think it's like, I don't know, I think it's like $2,000 a seat. It's it's something so ridiculous. And it's basically there's amazing food and all you can eat. Don't you think, for example, if you've had a season, if you've had two, for every two season tickets you've you've held, don't you think like if you've had that for 20 years, you've been supporting this brand, this team, you should be able to get two legend seats for the, you know, get a seat upgrade on your 20th anniversary and now you're sitting behind home plate, which means you can quickly, you know, you know, you should throw out the first pitch. These are all the things that that are like that that should be tenure should be built into every single marketing plan. Trust me today, if you take this idea and implement it in your business, in your lives, for your clients, this is a million dollar, billion dollar um, implementation um, idea. Um, and it, it just is. It's so simple, right? Throwing out the first pitch. Um, these are the things that can change the game. These are the kinds of things that can go viral. These are the things that can actually make, you know, that 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 actually you, you'll never complain about the fact that you pay $12 for a beer or $9 for a hot dog or $15 for a popcorn because of these priceless experiences. This is the power um, of, of tenure. Um, so, ex- so to summarize, good morning, Peggy, financial gain, exclusive commerce, emotional rewards, and what I would call, I'm adding to Mark's book, priceless experiences. In any case, the fans or owners have a stake in helping that creator succeed and kickstart a virtuous cycle of content creation, community growth, and possibly monetization. Everyone benefits from this tribal network effect as the creator becomes more well-known or successful. Here's an example from Lee Jin of the Means of Creation blog. When musician, <clears throat> when musician Daniel Allen made his album Overstimulated in 2021, he could have done what a lot of internet creators do, spend months or even years creating and releasing his content in the hope of eventually building a big enough fan base to fund his work full-time. Or he could have shopped his work around to traditional music labels, hoping one of them would bestow on him that rarest of prizes, a record deal. Instead, Daniel chose a different path. He crowdfunded his new album through a token sale and raised $142,000 from 87 backers. In return for the investment, token holders owned a 50% stake in the artist's share of the profits and a direct line to Daniel himself. For the first time, I owned all of the music that I was putting out and people were assigning an actual value to my art, he said. Web3 native creators like Daniel represent the vanguard of a new model for the creative economy. Tokens represent a powerful new tool for creators to bootstrap audiences and capital. Instead of creating content for free with the hopes of gradually growing an audience and monetizing it, Creators can monetize and build an audience upfront through tokens and then use that money and that following to produce more content and grow their business. Web3 inverts the traditional online content creation model. It's a paradigm shift that will have significant implications for how creator work gets done, how followers relate to the work of creators and how the broader creative creator ecosystem functions. Like individual creators, an organization or company can also create a tokenized economy. 
In some cases, this is reinventing loyalty programs. Even municipalities have issued tokens to create a private economy that rewards spending with local businesses. Benefits from a large-scale business application might include identifying your best customers or fans, rewarding customers for participating in activities that benefit your business, token-gating premium content and events, an economic basis for collaborative activities, a tipping system among members of the community, using token ownership as a way to achieve premium levels in a loyalty program, and finally, goods and services only accessible through tokens. A tokenized economy helps create a bi-directional customer relationship. When people in a community do generous things to support a company, it can easily reward them with tokens as a thank you. This exchange reinforces the emotional bond. And isn't that what great marketing is all about? I want to say a few things. This is me, Joseph. Hello, everyone. Hello, Tim. Uh, Just a reminder, Peggy and Tim, there is a POAP. The code is uh, woodturning. And will be available at 8.45 to 9.15 today. And somebody better alert Praxim and tell him he better get in here quickly because he's going to miss his own poem. So I want to say a few things. Number one, um, we are learning oftentimes the hard way about what works and what doesn't in a tokenized economy with creator coins. Um, One of the things that I've learned, you know, going through this rally.io experience is that the creator themselves actually, um, I think I think it works best when the creator themselves does not benefit financially at all from the whole um, token economy. However, and this is a monstrous however, this is a, you know, a, a, not an elephant, but a, a mammoth. Is that what they were called? Those big prehistoric elephants. This is a blue whale in the room. Um, the creator must still be making money. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's un- unless unless they have a few money, right? Unless they don't need the money, um, it's 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 just a fool's errand. Um, if now their financial success is tied to a token that they actually can't really benefit from, cash out in, you're dead. Right, so number one, the creator has to be able to make money from 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 revenue streams other than the token itself. I believe, um, and and second of all, you know, well, I mean that that's the point. I've just made it really in two parts. They should be making money outside and not from the token itself. That's the only way it works. That's the only way that people can actually use this token as as monopoly money, right? As you know, Disney bucks as currency inside a closed ecosystem for the most part. Um, something else that I believe in very strongly, and and I believe we will figure it out. Uh, I don't know that we're there yet, and I think some people are afraid of it, but I'm not afraid of it because I believe in it strongly, that in many respects, when you artists, creators, builders, founders, authors, should essen- this is essentially a fractional ownership this is this is what it is this is about people being able to take a stake or should be taking a stake in uh, a personal brand in a human um you know eventually essentially equity essentially conceptually equity i believe in you i believe you're going to make it and so i want to support you early on i want to be a part of it also my loyalty from being there at the beginning i should be rewarded so, you know, this is the classic example. Uh, I'm going to be going to Austin at the end of April, uh, I guess in about two weeks, to Consensus. Um, Austin, the live music capital, it used to be, maybe it still is, um, of the US. I'm going to be going to a dive bar one night, and I'm going to see someone, and that person is just going to absolutely rock my world. Rock my world. Uh, the talent. And I'm going to go up to them afterwards. I'm going to buy them a drink. I'm going to ask them, like, you are so super talented. Like, tell me your story. Why are you in this dive bar? You know, you should audition for, you know, I don't know, America's Got Talent, for American Idol, for some, you know, for uh, the masked singer, I don't know, the the voice. Um, and I'll hear their story. Um, and, and they'll tell me maybe they're at UT and... Um, 
you know, they're doing this for some extra money to pay the bills, or they'll tell me maybe that they just do it for the love of music at the moment while they're kind of like developing their um, their voice, etc. And I'll say like, how can I help you? How can I support you? I want to, you know, or or I might not. I might leave and then, you know, two years later, see this person is like, you know, the, the hottest thing since, um, since Billie Eilish or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, I was there. I was there in the moment. I was there ground zero and day zero. Um, alternatively, there's a middle part, right? Which is imagine I say to them, I'm going to be your number one fan and, and, I, and I tweet and I like and I recommend and I share and I have them on my show and I do everything. And now they make it and, and, and I show up one day at their concert and the bouncer doesn't let me in. I go, no, 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 but I'm, I'm their number one fan. I was there right at the beginning. I, you know, just go ask them, ask them if they know who I am. And the message comes back, yeah, I don't know who you are. I'm so sorry. Or, or maybe my message doesn't even go to them. It shouldn't be that way. You know, I, 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 if, I'm resp- if I'm responsible, if I'm part of that rising tide that lifts their boat, shouldn't I benefit from it as well? Um, and I feel like as a creator, as an artist, like fractional ownership to me, that is a critical, critical part as well. Fractional ownership. And we can figure out the economics of it. We can absolutely figure out exactly how. It's not the what and it's not the why. It's the how. The how is easy. The how is easy. If, 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 if it has to be regulated, we'll regulate. If it has to be, if there's oversight, then let there be oversight. If there's governance or self-governance, let there be that too. But this is a better way to work. This is a better way to operate. This is a better way to engage, which is being able to share in the the rewards, share in the spoils. As many of you know, my definition of Web3 is shared values, shared ownership, shared rewards. And and community is, is a common thread, no doubt. But this idea of, it's not so much even the decentralized, it's the fractional component. It's the fact that we can all, uh, and I'll say one more thing as well, that Yankees example that I gave earlier, you, if you want to sell it, you should be able to sell it. Like if you actually get to the end after 20 years, you've got your two legend seats, you're throwing out the first pitch. If somebody actually wants to pay the amount of money that, that theoretically might even pay for, let's say, 20 years of, uh, of you know, uh, like pay for it all or pay for 10% or 50% or pay the equivalent of five years of the 20. Let them. Let them. Why not? Why not allow that to trade on the secondary market? To me, that's part of the joy. I mean, last year we moved out because of the flood um, that we had and uh, we rented a house for, for three months and, and, you know, I worked out basically that what we paid to this house owner, well, I mean, it was obviously through insurance, but what we paid to this house owner for three months essentially paid for the entire mortgage for the entire year. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? If you can do this kind of, of trading or transacting with like a house, right, a summer, summer rentals, right? I live in a beautiful spot, Westport, Connecticut, a lot of people come up from the city. They want to be near the sound. Um, they want a kind of a summer experience. Hell, I'll do it. I'll spend a month in Algonquin in Maine, which is my happy place. I'll travel for a month. And then maybe for a month, I'll find a, an Airbnb in, in, in Fairfield or Weston or, or, or even just book into the Westport Inn um, and have enough uh, money to pay for my entire mortgage for the year. Why wouldn't I do that? So why are we not thinking about these kinds of models that benefit everyone? Um, I think um, you know I I think that there are amazing amazing opportunities. Oh, I'm just looking and I see Billy says going to the Yankees game on Saturday, doing a dugout tour as well. Why are we not going together? Um, are, are you Billy? Are you here for uh, NFT NYC? Um, I might actually go in tonight. Um, I think Fanzo's throwing a party, and I just got to remind him because uh, he said he was going to put me on the list. And I might actually just go in for the party tonight um, and uh, and hang out um, with a bunch of um, Web3 folk. Uh, I think it would, uh, it would be nice. Uh, let's see where we are with the book. Um, uh, Mark actually um, 
it's funny uh there's a little um let me see how much is left let's see if i can get through the rest for you um one of the things there's a little tiny section on ai obviously wrote the book before this whole monstrous explosion uh technically ai a computer simulation of human intelligence isn't considered web3 but this technology provides exceptional marketing opportunities for the largest and most complex communities there are AI systems emerging to help overwhelm community managers sift through conversations and efficiently add value, encourage engagement, enable personalization, and nurture new users. By taking over the most monotonous tasks of the community manager, AI allows companies to scale communities without adding significant cost. But AI truly shines when it's applied to the rapid discovery of insights. Communities enable conversations centered around topics which point to important keywords, said Dr. Karine Abu, CEO of the French Content Marketing Academy. That's pure gold. It's gold, Jerry, pure gold. Uh, collecting and sorting this complex data set with the help of AI can inform your entire content marketing strategy, revolutionize your approach to SEO, and help you detect emerging trends much faster than your competition. AI connects your marketing sales and leadership teams to real-time trends and data. This can be used to suggest product changes, define consumer patterns, automate strategies, and even test them quickly to outpace competitors. All these innovations will push the boundaries of community in extraordinary new directions. But there's another mega trend that will also have a profound impact on communities and marketing. In Chapter 12, you'll discover why some of the youngest customers are hiding from us. That's the secret communities, and that will be our read uh, next week. Um, and then he ends this chapter um, with a, uh, a case study called the Battle Bunnies. I don't think I've ever heard of the Battle Bunnies. Has anyone heard of them? Um, I, won't, I won't read that. Um, but, but if anyone would like to come up and maybe spend the last five or ten minutes with me on stage, please, please come and join me. But... You know, I want to summarize today, which is, you know, recognizing that Web3, you know, for me, Web3 is, it's a beautiful baseball analogy, Web3 is our strike three. I mean, if we, if we miss it, if we swing and miss, um, if we, if, or even worse, if we get, if we strike out looking, we don't even swing, trust me. Many, most brands will strike out not even swinging. The minority of brands will strike out by actually swinging. What I mean by that, very simply, is the minority of brands will actually invest. Uh, most of them will mess it up, um, but some won't. But, but the minority will actually, you know, go to the plate and actually, you know, step up and actually try and make contact with the ball most of them will kind of be on the sidelines or will just strike out looking, right? Won't even make the attempt. Why? Um, because they don't know the ROI, because they want to test and learn, because they've cut their budgets back, because Web3 is the devils, um, because, um, you know, uh, someone just got laid off. They'll come up with all these excuses as to why they don't, why they can't, why it doesn't make sense, because it doesn't gel with quarterly earnings, because they're focused on short term right now and community is a much longer term play because they don't plan on sticking around so many reasons why they will strike out looking and and it's a shame <clears throat> community 1.0 think about it right going back to this analogy uh, i said i would you know discuss it well community 1.0 was well, what was it it was you know listservs and message boards for the most part i, I remember um I remember coming to the U.S. in 97. And when I arrived, you know, thinking I would do an MBA, uh, looking for a job, um, I was at home. I was at the apartment. My my girlfriend at the time, my wife, now um, she was uh, at work every day. So I would, <laughs> my day basically existed. Uh, the, these were the things I did. Besides, obviously, the looking for a job and the etc. Uh, I would go to the gym. I'd go to New York Sports Club. Uh, I would watch The Price Is Right. Loved it. it was and and a bit of Jerry Springer as well. I was like enamored with these. To me, um, actually, I don't know who this was. It might have been uh, was it 
was it Steve Heyer from Coke or it was Larry? Lo- it was it was a. Uh, oh, I wish I could remember who it was. I think it was. Um, but it was a marketing. Oh, you know who it was? I know who it was. I think it was Sergio Zeman, ex Coke. He said in his entire career, like as a head marketer, as a CMO type, there wasn't a single week that he did not watch Wheel of Fortune or The Price is Right. He said, because that is America. That's your consumer here for the most part. And um, and that was how he stayed and in contact and kept in contact and, and, and stayed connected um, to the consumer as opposed to sometimes getting swayed by New York and LA, right, the coastals, et cetera. Um, that's your consumer, you know. And uh, so I, 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 never, I never forgot that analogy of being able to kind of recognize and, and reflect on, um, you know, on, on, you know, kind of like salt of the earth, so to speak. So what did I do? Um, I watched The Price is Right or Jerry Springer. Now, Jerry Springer better not represent the American consumer, but that, that's definitely entertainment. But Price is Right, loved it, still do. A new car. I still love it. Um, and okay, so uh, what else did I do? I went to the gym, um, and then I would play backgammon online in a like kind of in this like very rudimentary. It was like kind of like very basic graphics. Um, it was almost like kind of like amber or green type of you know like kind of like pixelated. Um, and all the people that I was playing with. You know, they were like their nicknames were like Legolas and all these like Lord of the Rings type characters, and they were all, um, I would say, on average, I would say they were probably fifty-five to sixty-five-year-old woman, um, and that was my community, and we would hang out, and I was like the the youngest and and one of the few males, um, and we would just hang out every day. You know, GG, good game, and play tournaments every day. It was such fun. Um, and I remember that very, that was community 1.0 for the most part, right? Uh, message boards, listservs, those kinds of, you know, those kind. And then 2.0, what was 2.0? 2.0 was an absolute joke when we think about Facebook groups and, and, and really all of these, you know, it's the very thing that we read today that Mark was saying, that it was controlled by the platforms and controlled by the brands. What really was community in web 2.0? Um, it was essentially a Facebook group. That's all it really was. I mean, or maybe, I mean, wh- what else was it? Uh, not, I mean, I suppose today when we think about Twitch or, you know, or or some popular YouTube streams, it's about time you showed up, Praxim, because because right now your POAP just went live and I thought maybe you were going to miss it. Uh, wood turning, two words, wood space turning, uh, the purpose line for the next 30 minutes. So Web3 is our last chance to get community right. If it's true, and Mark Schaefer says, that community is the last great marketing strategy, but this is also our last opportunity to get community right. So just think about those two ideas, that this is hopefully not a Hail Mary for brands and for marketing and for marketers and for corporates, uh, but it might be. Uh, it really depends on whether you are swinging and missing, whether you are trying to like hit the the cover off the ball, or whether you you know you all your hard work um, and your timing and your eye is set in you know to use the analogy, and you're able to to connect with the ball. So let's get it right this time. And in order to get it right, there are a few uh, principles and practices that I think will be true. One is this is not for brands to control, not like they have in Web 2 or Web 1. This is not about brands, you know, it's what I wrote in Join the Conversation. It's not about, hey, everyone, I've arrived. You know, everybody be quiet. The brand has arrived. No, it's, it's you know, you need to be invited to be a part of an existing community. Can you start a community? In many respects, um, it's it's almost like my five steps in joining the conversation, right? Listen, respond, um, be invited to join, catalyze, and then start. But in many cases, I actually believe the real model is going to be, especially when we look at all these defunct and dormant and struggling communities, um, you know, these Web3 NFT projects, these are all golden opportunities for brands to be able to step in, step up, 
um, and and figure out how can we help you? How can we invest in you? How can we catalyze you? How can we enable you? How can we sponsor you? How can we give you the means, the resources, the tools, the the assets, the access um, to be able to thrive? Uh, it it is essentially another round of funding, right? Two years ago with Win Lambo and Times Square, it was all about you know get big fast. It was all about um, you know an NFT drop. It sold out. You know a lot of money was made, and then there'd be maybe a derivative or a or an extension or or uh, you know a second drop, and eventually there'd be you know the coin, the ape type of coin, and 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 the merch, and so there were those. But but we haven't actually acknowledged that there is another round of funding, and that round of funding now it comes from brands. It's what I call brand funding. I actually wanted to write a book. I, I still probably own the URL brandfunding.us. That brands can be a source of funding. And that's how these communities, I feel, can actually enjoy a new lease of life or on life. Um, that's going to be the next wave of growth, I believe, I think. So um, we're going we're gonna to stop there um, just because uh, today, as I said, I needed to... Um, I needed to uh, have a you know I have I have to to run. Uh, Billy said I'm um, just looking at his comments. <clears throat> um, Tim says wasn't Community 1.0 the Town Square IRL? Um, isn't that what Twitter Twitter uh, as as uh, Elon Musk is now calling it? The guy's gone crazy. Um, uh, Twitter was meant to be the Town Square. A bear says community has been a subject talked about since the dawn of time um were you there at the dawn of time bears over eighty thousand books have been written about it there are groups that have done it well i don't think that web3 is the savior of community uh but i do think by the way this is me uh, bears that community is the savior of marketing um bears adds web3 has reignited the conversation of community for sure it's all the rage but just like many waves or moments in history it has been done wrong and right emphasis on the word wrong um so uh on this reminder, let's just make sure that the NFT is working. I'm so glad you showed up, Praxim, because I was actually starting to sweat here that you would have missed your own POAP. Um, and that would have been uh, truly, truly uh, devastating. Uh, tomorrow, we will be back um, bright and early for um, No Agenda Friday. Um there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, <clears throat> and one of the things that I'm thinking, you know, this uh, Dylan McVaney, Mulvaney with Bud Light, the Dalai Lama, there's just a lot of stuff in the news, and uh, maybe we can discuss it tomorrow. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.